When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson tuning in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Another episode, double episode today, Matt Hamilton of FanDuel TV and Up and Adams joined us a bit earlier. He does a lot of work with the Chiefs, so kind of give us a little bit of insight there. We talked some Travis Kelsey and, and Taylor Swift, if that's a distraction. Somehow, the Jets were asked today, and Robert Sala was asked if he has a field pass for Travis Kelsey. Not sure why we're asking these questions, but again... It is what it is. We also just talked a little bit about some possibilities. He talked about, you know, Rob Gronkowski on their show, talking about Kirk Cousins. So tune into that weekly spot here with Brad. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Jets Patriots game, cover a couple positives. I know I was more negative than I ever am on Monday. So we'll try to brighten the mood a little bit. And then we'll just talk a little bit about QB options and the, uh, and the chiefs game, you know, for the Jets, Brad, how are we doing today? I'm sorry. Your bears are just what a week. What a week is right. Yeah, that's why I'm here to talk Jets with you. As crazy as it sounds, just know Jets fans, there's a there's a whole fan base in the city that is infinitely more down bad than, than your own. So, uh, but yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, no one raided the Jets building uh, or any coaches' no. homes, but from the FBI, um, the Jets quarterback did not tell the coaches they suck. Like it's and the Jets did not lose by fifty. So all these things, um, just you could be the Raiders or the Bears. Devonte Adams, by the way. Still would make the move at the deadline if I'm the Jets because he's going to be as cheap as ever be now. Um, that said, let's talk a little bit more about realistic things before we get into some more unrealistic stuff. Um, went back and watched the Jets game. I talked. I watched it once before I, I talked on the pod. I, I was obviously livid about you know, Zach. I thought the play calling was not great, but again, there was some stuff. Zach checked out of a run where they had literally – and a man advantage in the run game, and he checked to the other side, and he ran into the boundary defender. It made no sense. It, there was a lot of that stuff happening. And I was kind of wanted to rewatch the offensive line. I guess, were there any positive? We'll talk your overall thoughts in the Patriots game, and then we can kind of focus on more of the positive. What was the overall thoughts? Was it the same thing of just like, how is this happening again? The number one positive for me was that offensive line. Um, I mean, we, we knew Tipman coming out was the best interior offensive line prospect in this class. I, I remember hearing... Like most teams viewed him as a guard too. So if you thought he was playing out of position, yeah, I get he was a center in Wisconsin, but he wasn't playing out of position. He was viewed as a guard prospect and he was awesome. I thought 
early on in his NFL career, he'd be a plus run blocker pretty much from day one. But I thought there might be some some you know areas of weakness as a pass protector. We have him with charted with zero pressures allowed and an 85 pass block grade against the defense that has been causing problems. I mean, Barmore looks like Christian Barmore of his rookie year. Keon White obviously can kick inside. Matt Judon can kick inside. Like whatever they tried to do uh, did not really work. Obviously, you know, Connor McGovern is struggling a bit right now, but so there's that. Yeah, that, that was a nice way to put it. Um, and then I don't know. I think Elijah Barrett Tucker might just be your right tackle of the future. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to tell them what to do. I actually should say, I didn't like that. They switched three positions coming into the game. I think I tweeted that out and I was wrong. I think Makai looked fine. Uh, Elijah Barrett Tucker can play wherever you put him, and I think he'll be a positive. And then Tipman looked really, really good. So that was the biggest thing for me because, you know, yeah, Zach is Zach. We get that. We don't need to belabor that point anymore. You and I have talked about it extensively. But if this unit can improve, play better, and you have guys you can shuffle around in a pinch, it, it's going to make a huge difference for whatever quarterback is playing, you know, week week seven and on, whether that's Zach or somebody else. Yeah, no, we, uh, we'll, get into, we'll get into the quarterback stuff. I agree with you on the offensive line thing. I also think going into 2024, if you have Makai, whether it's you pick up the fifth-year option or you try to work out like a, a two-year deal that's really, you know, maybe give some more money and guarantees next year, whatever it's going to be. We can talk about that in 15 weeks. Um, whether it's Makai left tackle, Tipman at guard, you know, and ABT at right tackle, for ABT's sake, he's going to want to play tackle because he'll get paid more in two years. And for the Jets' sake, if you can have both tackles and guard solved, and then in the offseason you either – bring Lincoln Tomlinson back on different money or you, and you find a center all of a sudden now your offensive line's in a pretty decent spot with high level potential, you know, and you can draft a guy in the first round, you know, because you have your first round pick again, and maybe you use that on a tackle that can move into guard of your one. There's a million things, but them playing together for multiple weeks is going to be really interesting and see how they kind of develop. Cause if you can get Tittman kind of whatever, 15 games worth of reps, like that's awesome. Now, you know, you have ABT again, He's been really good at tackle. He was good at left tackle. He's good at right tackle. He's good at right guard. He was good at left guard. Like he's really good. He just he's really good. You know the the chart came out last night. He's faced the toughest matchups of any guard in football. You know through three weeks playing at guard, and he's one of the highest graded guards in football. So he obviously can do that well. It was inter- one interesting note based on that chart. I did tweet it out. So if you want to go take a look at it, Dwayne Brown. I know he struggled those first two weeks, but it said it was literally charted. He faced the hardest matchups of any player in football. So um not to not to be not not to be a man while he's down um obviously injured there a couple other you know positives i thought michael carter i know he didn't grade out well from a pff perspective overall but i actually thought he had he had some nice moments he he's just a really good player the jets corners as a whole teams have figured out you don't throw outside against them you know maybe once in a while but anything it's usually in the flat it's teams are just not testing them they're just testing the short underneath stuff and trying to ask them to tackle consistently and running the football the other, the other guy I thought, you know, we talked about Bryce off a ton on this podcast. Like, how did the Jets? What's the what the what's the path here? They have zero. They've had one sack the last two weeks. They've gotten pressure, but again, what's the path here to get you know sacking the quarterback again? Because we'll talk about Kansas City. They need to hit the quarterback if they have any chance of winning on Sunday. I would agree part of that is the game script and the quarterbacks you've played like Dak Prescott's not going to hold on to the ball for all that long when you're up 20 points, you know, in the first, whatever it was very early. So I think that's part of it. And the Patriots, you know, do not have a good offensive line right now. It's also banged up with injuries. And I think you saw a concerted effort to first kind of leave Hunter Henry in a bunch. I think it's why Zeke played so many snaps because he is a good pass protector. Uh, And again, they were just getting the ball out quickly. 
Unfortunately, I mean, Patrick Mahomes might be the greatest sack avoider in the history of the sport. But we talk about so many things he does well uh, as a thrower. He is, uh, I, that wasn't even hyperbole. I think he might actually have that distinction. So uh, you do need to hit him, though. You need to get pressure. You, teams have been able to pick on Juwan Taylor uh, a little bit. Obviously, Donovan Smith, who might not even be healthy, is gettable, no question about it. So you know, I think that's part of it. Oh, I think you're, also, you're getting a holding penalty against Donovan Smith. It is his forte. <laughs> yeah, the the tweets from back in the day with Cam Jordan. Every time Donovan Smith signed an extension, Cam Jordan would tweet out like barbecue chicken and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, yeah, you're you're gonna get him. It's more about just making sure Mahomes. Here's the thing, though, when you talk about the coverage units, like if you can keep everything in front of you as they should do, Mahomes might have to hold on to the ball a little bit longer than he would like to. Like this defense is set up to stop a guy. I mean, no one's set up to stop Patrick Mahomes, but but I really do think it presents challenges because. If the coverage isn't there, you get him a great pass rush, but he'll just get rid of it. If you have both, like the Jets do, um, it's going to cause problems. So, you know, I think that that'll be interesting if they can actually get sacks. Like you said, pressure is great, but you want to actually bring the quarterback down. But even a bunch of quarterback hits. I mean, look, Mahomes had his ankle rolled on last week. I know he came back in the second half and played through it, but maybe he's not at 100% and doesn't have that elusiveness and mobility he's used to having. And, and that could be how you stay in this game, um, which would be huge. Yeah. The other kind of thing, I guess, to focus on the Chiefs, obviously, when Travis Kelsey's in there, are a totally different team. I talked with Matt a little bit of jokingly about the Taylor Swift stuff. I'm not going to – we're not going to talk about that. I guess, what do you – no one's really had success doing it. Is it I, – I, you kind of can go two schools of thought here and how you stop the Chiefs offense from a Travis Kelsey perspective. You kind of say, let's let Travis Kelsey kind of get his and make it like a one-dimensional offense that if they don't – or they're not perfect, we're fine. Or is it like we're going to have – you know, him get double, triple covered and, you know, leave everybody else one-on-one -on -one and, and hope that, you know, everybody else is perfect. Like, I'm not sure the strategy there. I kind of lean towards like what they've done with Buffalo, where it's like, we trust our guys. And I know it's a different type of receiver. That's part of the issue here, but we trust our guys. Like if one guy beats us and he single-handedly beats this defense, we're going to live with it. Um, you obviously cannot let, you know, Mahomes get hot throwing other receivers and let Pacheco get off and let Kelly like, what would you rather take away everybody else or you try to just take away Kelsey and let everybody else kind of figure it out? Good question. Because I think you saw whether it was intentional or not last year with Jacksonville in the playoffs. I mean, what Kelsey had like 18 catches in that game. Um, and I do think to a degree, they knew they were going to get killed. They're one of the worst defenses covering tight ends. They're still in that category this year as well. Um, it's weird. Cause Foye Lukun and, and Devin Lloyd, like they're solid players back there, but, um, and even Andre Cisco's coming on now as a safety, but they still just cannot cover the position. But anyway, I honestly think I would try to limit him as much as possible and say, all right, let MVS and Noah Gray and Justin Watson and, you know, all these guys, Sky Moore, et cetera, et cetera, let them beat us or, you know, just, just take away all the explosives, which obviously teams have done. And Mahomes is still able, you know, to just throw the football, you know, for seven, eight yards, a, a, a clip, like you said, get Pacheco involved. I mean, I think they, the chiefs don't have a touchdown of 10 plus yards still this season. I'm pretty sure is the stat. Um, and obviously the, I know, which is crazy. They're one of like two teams in the NFL, I think, but the other team is on there because they stink, not because of the Kansas city chiefs. So, but I still think I would lean that way. Uh, not an actual bracket, but I would have like Jordan Whitehead and CJ Mosley just shaded towards Kelsey, like on a lot of snaps and just say, don't let him get hot. Don't let him kill us. Um, and yeah, force, force Mahomes to beat you with Kadarius Tony and, and all the guys that just rattled off. <laughs> what a ridiculous group of receivers. But again, <laughs> they, they've invested a ton in the quarterback and the offensive line and then, and honestly in the defense and, 
you know, and Chris Jones, Chris Jones, as much as, you know, he threw a temper tantrum and he should be getting paid like a top three defense tackle. He does make over $20 million a year. It's not like he's, he's some underpaid loser. Um, he's actually quite directly the opposite. And again, horrible job by his agent negotiating that deal. It's another, that's neither here nor there. You don't have to talk on that one. Um, a couple of things that happened this week, obviously, Joe Namath absolutely went scorched earth on, on the Michael K show. Whether you value an 80-year-old's opinion at this point or not, he is the face of the organization. And it's if Dick Buckus goes on and rips the Bears or um, Bradshaw goes on and rips the Steelers, any of these guys, Brady goes on and rips the Pats, like these guys, their opinions matter whether people like it or not. And whether they're informed or not, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Squashing two things, which I heard on radio last two days the jets do have a relationship with joe namath not sure where that shit came from i'm just gonna put that out there that was a really weird take that the jets have done something wrong here i don't even know that zach has not met joe namath but if he hasn't it's not because the jets have not like th- that's not a purposeful thing um so those were two rumors that kind of were out there that the jets have deserved this but really weird stuff and i can tell you equivocally that's not true um but what do you make of a lot of this criticism there's you know, don't boo Zach Wilson. There's the the fans are being too hard. Roger said, kind of try to support these guys. What do you make of all this? Because it's like I can see both sides, as I I, I always say. There's usually two sides, but it does feel like a huge pushback of like, please support this kid. But the play in the field just warrants nothing but support. I mean, nothing other than support because it's not been very good at all. Obviously, I actually do appreciate the Rogers comment. He's been doing it forever in green Bay too. Like he cares about body language and how you're looking on the sideline and all that stuff. That is not a new revelation. I've I've listened to him say that for the last 15 years in green Bay. And I do think it matters. Like I I agree, obviously it's hard to support the kid right now, but like what benefit do you get out? I mean, look, fans can do whatever they want. They're going to boo. They should, but I do think as players, you put on a face, you fake it, you smile, you just say what you're supposed to say. Um, You know, we talked about this last week with the, you know, the Brees hall stuff and all that. Just there's no tangible benefit to not doing it. I, I get that it stinks, and and they thought they were going to have this magical season with Rodgers. You know, we're robbed of a, a Rodgers Mahomes matchup again this year. But I, I did you know appreciate Rodgers saying that because it's not he's been consistent on that. It's not some random opinion. Yeah, as for the name of thing, I, like you said, I, I don't know what you really do there. But but I will say to a degree, you know, and I know this is solid, just doing his job, and we you know we talk about this all the time. It's just messaging. It's just him doing his job. He gets taken out of context in a lot of these quotes. I mean, I laughed out loud when there was the quote going around. It was like, Zach gives us the best chance to win this past week. I know he says it every week, but okay, fans, if you've seen the quote that got tweeted out, go watch the video of Robert Sala saying that sentence. It is the least confident sentence I've ever heard someone say. And he was like, well, uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah, Zach, you know, he, uh, um, he gives us the best chance. Like he didn't believe what he was saying. And so they get it. They're aware. They know they can improve their. You know, Trevor Simeon doesn't give you a lot of excitement, but they're doing something. Maybe they're going to continue to to think about ideas down the feet down the road. They know. They if you know, they know. Yeah, no, I I was just gonna say Sal came out today and said like we know Zach has to be better. Like it, I just sometimes wish he would say it after the game because that's when people are at their height of emotion and they want a pound of flesh. I, I said we I joked with you about the Yankee stuff. Like a lot of times people just want to be like, no, dude, you're playing like shit, and like we know you're better than this. We all have faith in you. We have confidence, but you are not playing well and we want you to play better. I know that's not how the 2023 athlete all works. Everyone gets different. You know, everyone can handle different criticism. What Tom Brady could handle is probably not what Zach Wilson can handle at this point in their career. Like that's, that's all fair. Um, I want to talk quickly about the Simeon thing. I know Jet signed Simeon. Everyone is asking for, can they get one 
and they get one, you know, veteran guy in there. Simeon obviously played, you know, head of Rogers incident where played on Monday night football, dislocated his ankle in really gross fashion four years ago. That said, he has been, has made a pro bowl, uh, whether his numbers warranted or not. And more importantly, in the last two years, 12 touchdowns, four interceptions, averaging close to 300 yards per start or 240 or 250 a start add in one gamers in, in relief. Um, He's kind of an upgrade, and I kind of feel like he should be the quarterback week five against Denver and give you at least a shot to go to the bye two and four. Am I, am I crazy here? I know he's not good. But he's kind of fine. He's not crazy at all. You're not, I mean, look, he didn't I, look you that know, bad was, against the Jets last year. He really didn't. I, that's what I was about to say. I was actually at that game, um, which was hilarious because driving to the stadium, it was supposed to be Zach versus Fields, and then it was Trevor Simeon versus Mike White, uh, which was pretty – and it was pouring rain. But anyway, that's my personal, you know, poor, poor day aside. Uh He's not bad. He Look, we're, we're watching Josh Dobbs and Gardner Minshew of the world. Yeah, he's going to have a five-yard average at the target. He's not going to hit anything downfield, but you just need someone who can stay on schedule, who can get everyone lined up in the right place, just like you said, who's not going to check out of a run or shift it to the other side towards the strength of the defense. Like, the little details and all that stuff, he, he's totally fine in that regard. Um, yeah, he was not bad in that game. I mean, he had a couple nice throws to Claypool, who, you know, obviously dropped a couple of them, as he's known to do. Like, he, he he's a good journeyman, solid backup, give you a start in a pinch type player, and that is currently an upgrade over Zach Wills. Yeah, look, I guess I want to kind of transition to, we've talked a little bit about it, but obviously things are going to kind of continue to become more and more clear. A, do you think they make another move at some point this year for a either higher quality starter uh, or not a backup level name. And what are some realistic names? Because you see a lot of different things thrown out there. The one that I think is the most unrealistic, there's some that we will talk about that are realistic, but the Stafford thing's not happening. I know the Jets called on Stafford. I think after week one or before, you know, it was like, oh, this is a hot flashy name. The Rams are going to suck. The Rams are really well coached and are going to be a lot better than people think, especially with how bad, you know, they'll get two wins against Arizona. Like, I just there's like little wins there that they're going to figure out how to kind of maintain Seattle's nowhere near as good as we thought. Stafford's unrealistic plus the number next year of dead cap money. The Rams are not eating like sixty eight million dollars. That's unrealistic. They're not falconing this thing with Matt Ryan. Um, what there is some other realistic names. Where do you see of like what's realistic? What are maybe some what's some timing that maybe you know fans can kind of look for of like I kind of floated out there post Eagles game I feel it's the most realistic especially with one of the names with you know where uh, where the schedule lines up for both the Vikings and the Titans for uh, two teams in specific. Yeah, so of those two, I mean, I think those are going to be the names we hear the most. I, I don't buy the Kirk Cousins for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, they, they don't have a backup quarterback, right? I mean, you're lo- you're looking at uh, Jaron Hall, the fifth round rookie out of BYU. He's not ready to play. That's why they brought in Jordan Taamu, who's been like a good F- good XFL player, honestly a fun football player. But again, the Vikings are not going to say, "Hey, Justin, we didn't extend you this offseason. Would you like to play ten games with Jordan Taamu under center, and then we're going to talk extension after that?" He's going to say no. So, um, you know, uh, Cousins to me is not a realistic option. I get their zero and three. They had one score losses at Philly and against the Chargers in a game they very really realistically could have won so and they're in the nfc they could probably figure it out so but to me the other one ryan Tannehill, and it's more dictated by the tennessee titans than it is the new york jets where mike Vrabel sitting in the afc south with one and two jaguars is not going to sit there and give up on the on winning this division and as crazy as he is because like they probably could even though the roster is so bad um they probably could still win this division but if they lose to the Bengals this weekend, maybe lose a couple more games. If they're like one in five, unlike Minnesota, they obviously have Will Levis. They have Malik Willis in the building. They have guys they want to see play. 
it's the last year of Tannehill's deal. He's not coming back next year. That one, I think, is legit. And, of course, everyone does the dot connecting, but it is meaningful that Todd Downing is the pass game coordinator in New York. It does. It matters. He's been with him for a long time. Um, you also maybe could argue, oh, there's potential competition if the Falcons want to quit on Desmond Ritter. Maybe that you know forces the Jets to be like, okay, if we want to get this done, like we might actually have to push for it a little bit. But yeah, the compensation wouldn't be too big, so I think the Jets would be open to it. Like you mentioned earlier, they have a first-round pick now, not for Ryan Tannehill, but but they have a first-round pick now at their disposal, which is nice to have in your back pocket just for adding talent to your roster. That one I do think is realistic, but basically if you're a Jets fan, you have to root against the Titans the next three weeks. Yeah, I'd say root against the Titans for both because they're in your conference, but also because that's probably the biggest path to Jets making the playoffs. Other than Zach figuring it out or Trevor Simeon finding the fountain of youth, it's probably a Ryan Tannehill level player that yes, Tannehill struggled this year, but the Titans, again, their offensive line's heinous. And we know Tannehill are behind like bad weapons and a bad offensive line is, is never going to work. Plus the Titans offense has been boring for like 15 years um, at this point. So, you know, since they lost AJ Brown, again, not been the same, he's not been the same quarterback, which the Jets have a mega star in Garrett Wilson at receiver. They have the run game where Tannehill's, you know, thrive, downing, hack it. There, there's a lot of things there that make a ton of sense. I still think it'd be like a 2025 conditional pick on snaps or how far they go, or maybe it's a 24 day three pick. Again, I know we kind of talked a little bit about it. Can you just explain a little bit the money from the Kirk? And I know we said think Kirk's not as realistic. I, I fully agree. He's a no trade clause. He's not going to go the one in five Vikings to the two and four Jets. It doesn't really make a ton of sense. If he did, it's great. The Jets are should be a playoff team with Tannehill. It should be a playoff team. Frankly, with any league average quarterback, that should be a playoff team. Um, I guess we'll wrap up with these two things, but can you just explain it, the the Kirk and, um, and Tannehill money and how that could potentially work down in the future here? Because it's the Jets have cap space, but again, these contracts are not just like dollar for dollar. So the way it breaks down, money-wise, it does. It's easier with Kirk Cousins, but again, we don't see it happening. But nevertheless, the way you do it is simply, you know, going over the cap.com, go look at the guy's base salary. So not his cap hit, his base salary. Divide that number by 18, and then however many weeks we are into the season, subtract that amount out. Right. So let's say we're talking that it's going to happen in week six. So like or like after six weeks, right? You just take two thirds of the guy's salary that would travel to the to the Jets. So. For Kirk, after you know he has a ten million dollars salary, so you wait after six weeks, a third of it gets chopped off. You're bringing in a six point six seven million dollars salary. The Jets can obviously fit that in. I think that draft capital would probably cost you a little bit more, but nevertheless, with the Titans, Tannehill does have a twenty seven million dollars salary, which is pretty darn big. But again, with every week that passes by, one and a half million dollars is going to the Titans. Um, so you know, again, after week six. You chop off whatever that would be. Uh, trying to do math on the fly here. Uh, you know, uh, what nine million dollars? So, yeah. so you bring in an eighteen million dollar salary. But what I think would happen with Tennessee is we've seen this a bunch across the NFL. Von Miller, probably the biggest example. It happened with Roquan Smith. It happened with you know Robert uh, Quinn last year. The Jets could say, okay, Tennessee, look, right now we'll offer you a twenty twenty five fifth round pick for Ryan Tannehill if we take on the entire eighteen million dollar salary. However. If you're willing, and this actually happened with Tannehill when he went to Tennessee, if you're willing to convert half of that $18 million into a signing bonus and pay Ryan Tannehill that money, we'll send you a 2025 conditional third instead of a fifth. And, you know, because you're you're eating all that extra you know cash for us. But option three, though, 
is they try to convince Tannehill, the person, not Tennessee, hey, man, agree to a restructured deal where you lower your salary. So not not Tennessee retaining it. He just takes less money, which I think to a degree he'd probably be open to. I get it's his last time he's ever going to make real NFL money, but he's made a boatload you know, already in his NFL career. And maybe he would say, I had the chance to, you know, win a couple of playoff games in New York. I don't know, build my personal brand, whatever, in a, in a big market, as opposed to, I don't know, one of the smallest markets in the sport. That is the third path that maybe you try to consider. But anyway, so th that's how it all breaks down. He has made $195 million in his yeah. career, which is <laughs> which is nuts. Uh, I don't think he's ever teach made kids a to throw. Teach your kids yeah. to throw football. Yeah, teach your kids <laughs> to throw football and stop playing wide receiver. Um, although I guess now he's player receiver. Last two things here. One, thoughts on what actually happens on Sunday. And then two, I'll ask you one or two other questions uh, you know, around the AFC East. I think the biggest thing that people aren't talking enough about is the Chiefs defense is legit, like very, very legit. And they're also the youngest defense in the NFL. I think Trent McDuffie is like quietly becoming a top 10 corner in the league. Uh, maybe not there yet, but I, what I love about him is just his versatility. You can play him in the slot if you want to match him up against some teams that love to put their best receiver in the slot, like against the CD Lamb. I think he'd play 50 snaps in the slot. And then, you know, against somebody else, he, he would kick out wide. So, but then they're, they're front as well. George Karloftis is starting to look like a former first-round pick. Obviously, we know Chris Jones is Chris Jones. Um, and then, you know, great linebacker. They have four good linebackers. You know, the, the secondary is talented. Legereus Sneed is a good slot corner. The safeties are good players. And Justin Reed, um, you know, Brian Cook's coming along. They're their former second-round pick. So everyone's talking about their offense, which, of course, I understand. But that defense is, like, for real. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I watched the Bears-Chiefs game. It was legitimately – they, my Fox local broadcast changed to a different game at halftime. And Kurt Menefee was like, we're going to put on a more competitive football game. Uh, and Taylor Swift's in the building and they're doing that. So it probably took a lot for them uh, to go that route. But I'll be honest. I, I'm very rosy on the pod. I think this one's going to be pretty ugly if I'm being frank. Yeah. Not look, I, it's hard not to, it's hard not to feel that way. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to lean yet. I think it's either going to be similar to the Dallas game or it's going to be a game where you're like, how is this 20 to 17 with four minutes left? And like, wow, the Jets defense is balling. Kind of similar to the Buffalo game. We're like, oh, wow, they have a shot here. Like, go make a play. And, you know, maybe you maybe you steal one. The Jets always steal one or two games a year that you're like, what? And then there's one or two that they lose that you're like, there's no way they just lost this game. We saw it last year. They beat Buffalo and no one expected to. And then they went to New England and laid an absolute egg. Or New England and Minnesota, I, I can't remember last year after – the, the Mike White stuff was became uh, a disaster um, after he got hurt, obviously. Dolphins-Bills Sunday, and then Niners-Cowboys next week. Those the two best games of the year already. Like, I feel like they might be the two best games of the year. I know we're going to get Dallas-Philly twice. Those kind of feel like the two best games of the year now. I agree. I, I mean, this this Buffalo-Miami game is going to be awesome. I know Miami goes to Philly in, like, week seven, too, so that one's going to be a lot of fun, but – yeah, I mean, I just don't see – look, the, the defenses are talented for both of these teams, but I don't really see how the defenses keep up here. I mean, the Bills' secondary, to me, is a problem. Like, their safeties are ancient. Jordan Poyer has looked really bad. Uh, Micah Hyde is, I think, probably not even playing at this point. So, And then Tredavious White, love the guy, always have, but that, that ACL injury, I think, changed who he is as a player. So I don't see how they keep up speed-wise with Miami. And then on the flip side, I like Miami, but Jalen Phillips, not 100%. Um, 
you know, a couple other issues there. Obviously, I mean, Eli Apple, you can, you, you can just, uh, I mean, Stephon Diggs, if he gets a matchup with Eli Apple, I would, I would just throw it without even looking if I'm Josh Allen. Um, so, yeah, I think points, points, points. I think it's going to be a super exciting game. The total is like 53 and a half. I think it's still going to go over that number. Uh, that'll be a fun one to watch for sure. Yeah, and then lastly, how many, how excited are you getting about Caleb Williams? Are you like, are you in yet? Are you like not allowing yourself to get too excited? Like, where are you at with the the, the sweepstakes? Oh, I'm all the way in. I, yeah, no, I, I I will say this: the Chiefs game was not Justin Fields' fault. I, I watched the film, and then and now we look. Ignore my opinion. We've now seen like seven different former quarterbacks, like Kyle Sloter, uh, Kurt Warner, uh, JT O'Sullivan. Obviously, like he was not the problem in that game. They actually threw an absolute pearl to DJ Moore. He dropped it, and I think that was. They were going to lose regardless. But to me, that was kind of the, the flipping switch of this game's going to get out of hand in a hurry once he dropped that ball. So, but all that said, yeah, I'm all the way in. I, I watch Caleb Williams, Drake May, and JJ McCarthy tape every single morning on Sunday mornings before the games kick off. I've been doing that since week two. Uh, so, yes. Uh, I and mean, look, I, here's the thing with Fields even if he does figure it out somewhere, it, it's probably not going to be in Chicago. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> I fully agree. I was not a big fields person coming out. I think CJ Stroud's hopefully changing the narrative, you know, with Ohio state quarterbacks, he's looked awesome. Turbo Jared Goff. I know people for some reason thought that was an insult. It's not look at Jared Goff's numbers. That's a pro bowl level quarterback. The Texans need that if they want to D'Amico Ryan's to kind of work there. Um, But again, you know, I just fields doesn't see the him and Zach Wilson have a lot of the same issues. Fields is obviously in a way better, you know, runner but it's a lot of the same issues if they don't see the field well like they can't pull the trigger when they do pull the trigger it feels like they make the wrong decision so um appreciate everybody for listening again two episodes out today make sure you guys are plugged into those uh enjoy the game sunday i'll be there so i don't have to listen to the travis kelsey taylor swift non-stop jammed into my brain you know camera shots every two seconds don't get can't i don't want to get canceled by the swifties but um good for them Careful. i just i just I, good for them i just I'm going to, I want to watch football and enjoy football on, on Sunday. So uh, appreciate everybody for listening. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll have one more set on Friday. Uh, take care and uh, talk to you guys soon.